This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 41. And the quote of the day is from Will Rogers, who said, If you want to be successful, it's just this simple. Know what you're doing, love what you're doing, and believe in what you're doing. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And we got a great interview for you today. We have Daru Jones. And I met Daru at NAM actually, uh, this past January and connected with him, told him about the show, and, and he was more than happy to do an interview, which is great. And for those of you who don't know about Daru, let me tell you a little bit about him. He's one of the most respected drummers of his generation. He was born in Michigan. He lives in Brooklyn now and has performed with artists such as Jack White, Nas, Talib Kweli, Black Milk, and a bunch bunch of other people he also has his own band called the rough pack he's played on the grammy awards he's played the rock the bells festival montreal jazz festival he's had rave reviews in rolling stone magazine la weekly usa today and has played on the david letterman show and the jules holland show in the, in the united kingdom colbert report saturday night live mtv so daru has been around the block a few times to say the least and he's also uh, just a cool dude, and I like having cool people on the show. So uh, we talked at Nam, like I said, and he was all about doing it. And it took us a little while to get together because he travels a lot, but uh, but we made it happen, and we got the interview here. So here it is, Daru Jones. Enjoy, Daru. What's going on, man? Thank you so much for doing this. I really do appreciate it, man. What's going on? Chilling, man. Just trying to, I guess, stay warm with the weather man. that's going on right now. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's ever. I, I feel like it's never going to be summer. It's just going to be it's going to be winter forever. We're going to be it's going to be June and we're going to be like, I think it's supposed to snow tomorrow. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> man, me too. I hate I hate the weather. It's funny, man, cuz every I <laughs> not every interview, but like 80% of the interviews that I do, somehow it's always about the weather. And then I realize I'm like, cuz it's been cold since like October. It's True. just been it's been freezing cold, man. I just I just want to move to San Diego and be done with it. Uh, it's all good. I mean, <laughs> luckily I've been traveling, you know, back and forth overseas, so there's been I've been able to get a little break, so I'm not really complaining, but yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so who okay. who were you uh who you been touring with? Um, I was out with my own band, the Rough Pack. Mm-hmm. They're from Vienna, Austria. Oh, okay. With Jazz Hip Hop Trio. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a we had a spring run, um, in Europe, um, certain parts of Europe like Paris, um, different parts of Austria and um, um, Germany. The last three days we we performed with um an artist by the name of China Moses. She she's from Paris and her um she's the daughter of Dee Dee Bridgewater. How do you get hooked up with a band in Vienna? Um, long but short story. Um. The guys, one of the guys, he, um, my guitarist, his name is Matthias Locher. He's now residing in New York um, recently, as as um, last year. So anyway, um, I was performing at a hip hop event um, for a legendary producer named Pete Rock. Oh yeah, yeah, from Pete Rock and Seal Smooth. Mm-hmm. And um, I was playing for an event where we were covering the music, his music, you know, with a big band um, through Revive. And Stefan and Matthias from the Rough Pack, they were in the audience. And um, after the performance, they were, you know, they were blown away. And it was like, yo, we got this band, Rough Pack. 
we have this bigger ensemble called SK Invitational, which is like the Rough Pack Times, like, 20, because it's like a 60-piece right. <laughs> hip-hop, hip-hop jazz band. It was like, yo, check us out. Check all my space stuff out. And actually, um, the crazy thing is, I kind of was sleeping on them. I was like, well, you know, who are these guys? It's like, right. everybody has a, you know, I, I won't say everybody in the band has a, New York, has a band in New York, but it's like, people coming to you all the time, like, yo, check me out. So right. I was like, all right. That's so how I feel like everybody's in a, you're like, oh, I'm in a band. They're like, yeah, so is everybody else, man. You know? Yeah, so... <laughs> Literally one day I was home and I was like, let me check this stuff out. I went to the MySpace page and then I saw some YouTube videos. I was like, oh man. I was like, wait a minute, I made a mistake. These guys are good. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I immediately rushed back out to them and let them know the material was 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 really, really nice. And I, I, I like the movement that they have going on in Vienna. Just so happened that they were performing um, in New York for the Austrian um culture forum which is based in new york mm-hmm. and they asked for my availability and want to know if, if if i you know would accommodate them for this performance so i was like i right, checked my schedule when it worked out I, I rehearsed with them did the performance and we just it was like we'd known each other for years like we had a kindred kindred spirit like brothers so right. i was like all right cool to ask me to be part of the band and i was like okay cool and we all shared the same interest in music and then that's how i started I can't lie to you, man. When I saw the name of the band, my last name spelled R U F F I N I. So I saw the rough. I was like, "Come on, that'd have been the perfect." <laughs> I'm like, "That's that's the perfect band name for me." I'm like, I, "How did I not come up with that?" Word. <laughs> it's crazy, and we've been together. We're coming up on our fifth year this year. We really? Just, we did our first show in 2009, October, and I'm definitely grateful that we've been able to to you know to last this long for five years because you know a lot of bands they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Forward, you know, to to you know, doing some more, some more cool things with these guys. They're very talented individuals for sure. I like it, and yeah. not to mention you play with a ton of other people that we're that we're definitely going to get into. I'm going to rewind the tape a little bit though, and go to when you started playing and how you got into playing, and you know the journey up till now. So, how did you? Where are you from, and how did you get into playing? Okay, I grew up in Michigan. Um, oh, so you're used to the cold. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I actually started drumming at the age of four at, in church. Mm-hmm. And my mom and, and um, dad, they're both music directors. They play organ and piano. Okay. So when I would go to church, I had a lot of cousins and uncles that played. And when I would go, I would watch them. And I was like, yo, I want to do that. So I picked up sticks and I just started. And I went to a church um, where we had service every night and sub Saturday. Right. So every night there was drumming. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, so right. I got a chance to just, you know, kind of sharpen up at a young age. And I started there. And then later on, um, by by the time I was 10 or like my, my young teen years, I had older mentors that introduced me to other styles of music like jazz. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the the church that I came up in, everything outside of um, gospel was secular and it was considered a no-no. Right, so right, right. So we had to kind of sneak and listen to it. So Yeah. <laughs> But I had some older, older mentors that were into like jazz. You know, they were in church, but they were into the jazz, and they were like, "Yo, check out um, um, Tony Williams." You know what I'm saying? So that right, was my right. introduction. And then um, I also started taking chart reading lessons when I was like 13. My mom put me in that. So, so even learned- even like the Tony Williams stuff and all that, that was like they didn't want you listening to that. It was like a no no because it was right. like you know it wasn't gospel. Anything outside of gospel was like nah. nah right. You know? Right. But um. When I when I got exposed to to, to those guys like Tony Vinny Caliuta mm-hmm. um, from the Buddy Rich Memorial, that was like my first um, 
one of my well, besides the, the Terry the, the Terry Bozios, that was like my first um instructional DVD um DVD that I got. My mom bought me. Oh okay. Um, um Terry Bozio solo drums, and then um my older mentor introduced me to the um the Buddy Rich Memorial series. I don't know if you remember those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they had the the video with um Dennis Chambers. It was Dennis Chambers, um Greg Bessonette, and Louis Belson. Nice. And then, then the other video was um, Steve Gadd, Dave Weckl, and Vinny Caliuta. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've watched that thing like I've watched that video like a hundred times. <laughs> I was like, yo, like my mind was totally open, and I was like, all right, I want to know more about these drummers. So I just went and started checking all the recordings of everything that they were doing, like the stuff that Dave was on, which at that time was Chikoria. Mm-hmm. And Vinny, I want to know, you know, all the recordings, and then eventually I started finding out about. DJ Net, Omar Hakeem, and I was like, yeah, this is a whole nother world. So how old were you when you when you moved to New York? Well, um, actually, I was making I started making my New York trips around 19. Um, I wasn't living here, I was just making like I would come and stay and then go back to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Come to New York and New Jersey. I had a friend of mine um that worked for Sony, his name is George, and at, at that time, I was producer, you know what I'm saying? I was, like, trying to get that thing going. I had a group with my sister named Rena, which we have a, we, you know, we're still together and making music now. Right. Um, so, yeah, we would go to, you know, New York, Jersey. And at that time, um, when I was 19, we had entered this um, contest um, called How Can I Be Down? It was an A&R conference. And basically, it was, like, a bunch of labels coming together, trying to find who was a, the new talent that we want to put out. And whoever won this competition, they would get a record deal. So to make a long story short, um, me and my sister, along with another gentleman, um, Mike, we won the competition. And um, it was a labels from New York um, that were interested in us, as well as the late, great um, Gerald Levert. So so that brought me out to New York. And I started, like, you know, coming out here. At the same time, um, I came to, like, some of the the nightclubs where... um, a guy by the name of Nathaniel Thompson's really killing drummer was playing at this place called the Underground Village Underground. Village Underground, yeah, yeah, um, with Cheryl Pepsi Riley and another place called Wilson's. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yo, like these cats is killing," you know. What I'm <laughs> like, like you know, I was I, that was totally new, like new to me, you know, checking out some of those guys. So the thing that I dig about your playing is you have this you have this hip hop feel, and then you have the swing feel, and you I think that you approach playing a lot differently than a lot of people. I mean, you definitely have a, a soulful approach to everything, but you kind of mend the two of these. You mend hip-hop and jazz together with your playing. Um, so what what's your approach to, to a tune, or what's your approach to playing, or how do you how do you look at grooves? Well, I, I think by me being a producer, really helped shape my playing and my, my thinking when I approach a tune, because I'm not... I'm I'm, appro- I'm approaching it more as as um structure, song structure versus like, okay, this is what I want to play, and I'm just gonna be it's it's gonna just be about my chops. You know right. what I'm saying? I'm I'm approaching it more as like what will make this section sound good. I'm listening to what every what what the other instruments are doing, and that's telling me what I should play. Right. So the the music kind of dictates okay the vibe of what I should do. Now, if it's a situation where the producer has a certain thing in mind he wants me to do, and then of course I'm going to I'm going to do that because that's what I'm hired for. But other, otherwise, that's my approach. And um, one of the things that I admire, like Steve Gadd, is one of my favorite drummers. Me too, man. Me what I like too. About Steve, what I like about Steve Gadd, he doesn't overplay the situation. 
I've heard him in various um, settings, mm-hmm. and he kind of just plays the job and he gets it. He gets it done, and he has his own. I feel like he has his own sound that where you know where you're like, okay, that's Steve Gadd, and that's that's one of the things that I've always wanted to, wanted wanted to achieve. Yep. Um, in, in my plan, or when I get called for certain um, session session jobs, or even even performance performance right. situations. Yeah. Uh, he undeniably has a has a unique sound, man. As soon as you hear it, it's like that's Steve Gadd. You know, I love that. I yeah, love that. So, about- so, it never, so, you know, never overplays. Never, you know, never has his own agenda. He just serves the music, and that's it. Exactly. But at the, at the same time, you know, um, I'm a huge fan of Vinnie Caliuta. That's one of my biggest influence. And what I like about Vinny too, he can play any situations, any, I mean, well, he can play, yeah, pretty much any situation and he just like goes in. Right. So it's like, how could I bring those two worlds together? So basically what I would do is, you know, I, I just, I'll play my role and get through the tune, you know, through like a Steve Gadd approach. And then if, if there's a, I may, I may slip something in, you know what I'm saying? Like I may right. slip like a, like one of those feels maybe I heard or something that I may have developed on my own. Right. Um, You're like, let just, me sneak this in here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But then you know, then then come back to it. So it, it's just a way that it can be done. You know what I'm saying? And I just learned, you know, you know, two things you can learn from a drum. You can learn what to do and what not to do. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, I want to get called called back again. So I just try to keep it safe. You have this. you have to, man. I always call I call my uh, my getting fired licks. You know, you're like, I can play this if I want to get fired. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like, I mean, I, I I think it was a good thing of me coming up in, in, in the church situation because I learned the hard knocks quickly. Yeah. You know, because we had a lot of drummers that were trying to get on and they would easily nudge you off if you were not keeping time. You right. know what I'm saying? Or at that particular time, it wasn't, it wasn't all about a lot of the gospel chops. It was a different, it was just all about playing playing um with the agenda of of people catching the spirit like in in mm-hmm. church it right, wasn't right. about like you know doing the fastest you know like it's a different day now right which, which i'm a fan I, I, i'm a fan mm-hmm. of that stuff too but it was just you know different it was just different right yeah that yeah. makes sense that makes sense so yeah, yeah go ahead well you so how do how do you do approach practicing when i love i really love talking to heavy groove drummers and i think that you know i, I hope that that's uh that's not offensive to you i think you, that you're a heavy groove drummer Thank and you. and what's your approach to that like how did you develop that groove and that that feel and finesse like if you look at somebody like steve gad you know he has he has that feel and he has that finesse and i think that you do too so how did you work on that and how did you develop that feel and that tone and that and that just overall groove well I don't, I don't, for me, it's, it wasn't a technique. It was just what I was listening to, like checking out Omar Hakeem and he also listening to like um, Dennis Chambers with the P-Funk, like mm-hmm. certain things, like just listening to that stuff over and over and then finding out like, oh, this guy played on that hit record? Like, I, I like that. And by me right. being a producer and making tracks, hip hop beats, it was all about that pocket and I wanted to set, come with that same aggression. You know, when I play drums, like why? I feel like if I'm not making people dance or bob their head, I'm not doing my job. Right. <laughs> saying so, so I, I, I have that. Dancing. In, I have that. In, I have that in mind. Even 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 when I'm performing a drum solo, um, I want to have some type of where people can nod their head, some type of pulse where people can feel. Right. You know, and um, 
But at the same time, I, I, I did have my, in, in my career, I, I had that time where I was, it was all about like fusion, mm-hmm. like, like, but I, you know, I, I feel like I, I just passed, I, 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 I went through that stage. I'm, I'm, I'm past that stage. Like as musicians and drummers, we have our different phases, yep. you know what I'm saying? Yep. So I just feel like I just evolved. And by me being a producer, making tracks, I feel like that really helped, helped train my mind to approach certain things in a certain way. Right, you know, just mm-hmm. having that groove, and that's that's pretty much. It's no tech. It's it's not really a technical thing. It's just something that, um, I guess that's the lane that I wanted to wanted to achieve right now in my career. Right, and you know, with a lot of people, every well, everybody says it's like it's all it's all about what you're listening to, you know. And sure. if you're if you're listening to the right stuff, and that's influencing, and you're playing along with these records, and you're analyzing these records, you know, like if you if you listen to you know, blast beats all day. That's you're probably going to play blast beats all day. But if right. you listen to Steve Jordan all day, you're going to play like Steve Jordan. You know, right. or attempt right. to attempt to play like <laughs> Steve Jordan. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. And this, <laughs> the thing is, um, I say for the past like decade, I just been get. I have gotten. A, I've been blessed to get a lot of hip hop work. So mm-hmm. when you playing that type of music, it's just pretty much it's loops. Right. You know, it's loops. So it's just like okay. When I get any type of job, if if I'm doing cover songs, first of all, I'm I'm going to try to learn the the record just like like the original, right? Because I I, I realize that people want to hear that in the mm-hmm. audience. Sure, you know what I'm saying like it's important. Even if you know I deviate some rhythms and patterns, people they want to be able to relate to what they what why they like this song. Right. So that's that's my goal. Period. You know when I get hired. Absolutely. Now, now, if, if I'm playing with an artist and they're like, yo, okay, this is the original. I want you to interpret it your own way. And then, okay, I, I'm going to do that. But at the same time, I still try to go back to whatever the original beat was. Like, that's right. totally my approach. So that's just pretty much what I've been doing. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of that over the past, maybe like, I would say about a decade now, there's been right. a lot of like, like hip hop stuff. So, yeah. Well, speaking of the hip hop artists that you're playing with, I mean, you've, you've, done stuff with Nas and Talib Kweli and then outside of that with Jack White and I always like to know how gigs like that come about because I know the listeners are out there saying man I want to I want to play with these cats I want to you know I want to get gigs with this guy or get gigs with that guy or I want to I want to take my playing to the next level and and be a, a real professional at it so how do what advice do you have or how did you do it how did you start getting these calls to to work with these guys Man, um, that's a good. That's a really good question. I would say, like, New York is a really good place for music. It's a working town. Mm-hmm. In two thousand and eight, and I think that was just a good time. You know, it was a lot of fresh musicians moving from like um, Boston, like cats coming from Berkeley. Mm-hmm. It was a good time because um, at a lot of the hip hop artists they were adding bands to their scenario. Right. You know, they were not just using DJ. They wanted, you know, of course, like the Roots, they've done it for years. Right. And, and you had Jay-Z and a few people. But at in, in 2008, I started seeing a lot more um, hip-hop um, artists adding bands. But even before that, I, I started working with Slum Village in like 2006. So around, around oh, really? like, yeah, like around, I, I would say like around mid-2000, like 2005, you started seeing... A more of a so that's what happened and 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 by me being in New York in the working town, um, just I started getting referrals. You know, right. I, I was I was I I, I worked with some with, with um a gentleman by the name of Ray Angry. He played he plays with the Roots every now and then. He's a really talented producer and composer, 
and he was working with all these, you know, cool people in, in the New York scene. Um, he put me on this gig um, where I met Tyler Kwali because Kwali was starting a, a new a new um, project called Idol Worship, mm-hmm. which which is more like a kind of like punk rock slash hip hop together. Right. And um and Ray Ray saw me play I think at a jam session. I was just like, yo, who is this kid? You know what I'm saying? So it was just like one of those things. Did a couple of things and then people just, they started reading my resume and find you know find out some of the things that I've done before, post New York when I was actually living before New York I was living in Pittsburgh, PA. So I was mm-hmm. I was able to do some cool stuff there as well. And it was like, yo, you know, check this kid out. Did that and I just started getting referrals like mm-hmm. being in New York playing playing his show and then word the word got out and then it was just like yo call that kid like because he, <laughs> he he's but the, the thing was you know like i said I, I i one of my jobs like i feel like when i get hired i want to play the record so that was one of the things that people were hired they want i feel like they were hiring me because they felt like i paid attention to detail right like i was going to learn the music for one and then come in and get the job done so that was really I'm glad I was able to achieve that, and and it paid off. It was a lot of hard work, though. Right. A lot of, I remember like sometimes doing um, two and three shows in one day because it just it it got where you know I was working with Quality, and then I was working with another artist from Detroit by the name of Black Milk. Mm-hmm. Um, him and then another artist. It was just it just started it just took off. So nice. I just found myself sometimes double and triple booking because now all the hip hop. Artists wanted to have these live bands, so it was it was a good time. <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> so good, good. Yeah. Now, what about the producing side it was, of it? it? Was, so, because I know a lot of. Uh, I, were you going to say something? I'm sorry. No, I don't want to just. Um, I was also not only. I was. I wasn't only doing hip hop. I was also very venturing out into the soul scene too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, working with soulful artists and other other things too. I don't. I don't. You know, I'm just. You know, we. Since we just um, focusing in on hip hop, I don't want people to just think I'm just a hip hop drummer. Cause right, I, right, I, right. I, yeah, yeah. No, yes. you're definitely you're definitely not. I you know I wasn't. But you, like you were saying, that's you know when you were you were coming up a lot, you were getting a lot of work from the hip hop guys just because they were adding these bands. You dug it, they dug you, and it just works. You know. Yeah, and then you know, like I said, it, it introduced me getting calls for other other styles of work too because people mm-hmm. they just feel like. Like this, like um, I just made a. I felt like I made a pretty good name for myself. Just being able to learn people's music, and play it at the show, and and and, and also um, yeah, do do a good job. And I think that's 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 that's. I guess that's the main thing. If you do a good job, be on time, and and be nice. You know what I'm right. saying? People, when the people are going to call you and refer you. Exactly. So. Now, speak. Well, we're talking about you know other other genres outside of hip hop. And so you're you're you just recorded a record with Jack White. So let's talk about that a little bit. How did that whole thing come about? Hmm. That's a long but short story. <laughs> <laughs> to make a long came- story long. <laughs> <laughs> but it all came through hip hop. So in 2010, um, I was recording an album with Detroit um, hip hop producer and rap artist by the name of Black Milk, and um, we he put out this record. That year, the title it was called Album of the Year, and one of the tracks um, is titled "Deadly Medley," which has a rock sample. And I heard that um, Jack got a hold of this this record, and he heard it. And he, at that time, Jack White has a label called Third Man Records, which is just his own label, mm-hmm. and he's producing these seven inches, you know, collaborating with different artists and putting out seven inches. 
and um, he wanted to do do one with Black Milk because he got, I guess he got excited when he heard this 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 um this track, mm-hmm. which Jack White is a huge hip hop head for those that don't know. <laughs> so, That's nuts. But, um, anyway, yeah. So anyway, at that time, by me working with Black Milk. Black had the opportunity. Black, he insisted that he bring his band, which at the time it was me and his other the other band members. So when he got the opportunity, he was like, "All right, I want to bring my guys down there to record the the, the collaboration project um, seven inch." So we went down, and Jack also um, wanted us to perform at Third Man Records, which they have a performance area, you know, performance space, and it's like this really cool space. So anyway, we did the performance, and in the in in the um, in the set, we have a we have a song called "Losing Out" that we perform, and I have a drum solo. And I knew I knew Jack was a drummer, but anyway, I did this drum solo on "Losing Out." And at the end of the song, Jack was at the end. He was at the in the back of the audience, and he ran to the front of the stage and he was like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah!" Like he was excited. I guess you know, I, I did something cool or whatever. Right, <laughs> so right. After that, you know, I went back home, New York, and didn't think of it. A couple a couple months later, I get an email from Third Man records that Jack was inquiring um, if I could come back down to Nashville as he was um, doing a collaboration with RZA from Wu-Tang Clan, mm-hmm. which I'm a huge fan of. Man, who isn't? <laughs> so I was just like, worried? I was just like, what? Really excited. Flew down to Nashville, got to the studio, got ready to record, and RZA cancels. Uh, be, that would happen to me, too. So my heart, I, my heart, I was heartbroken. But anyway, you know, Jack felt bad. Like he had already had me down there. He had musicians he brought in, um, and he was just like, "Well, I got a couple solo tracks that I've been working on. Maybe we can we can try those out." Mm-hmm. So we worked on, we recorded those songs, and those were actually the songs that started the Blunderbuss, which will be his first solo record. Right. So it turned out to be a blessing. You know what I'm saying? Right. right, right. We didn't know nothing about Blunderbuss being like the name of the album, but anyway, I recorded those tracks, went back to New York, and the rest of the year goes by, like the rest of 2011 goes by. And at that particular time, um, my schedule, I was booked sometimes like six months to a year in advance. Right. So, um, you know. it's a good problem to have. Thank you. (laughs) Cool. Thank you. So two of my regular work situations were were requesting my availability for a tour starting in, you know, in, in, in um, 2012. At the same time, um, Jack's admin had reached out to me, wanted to know about my availability, but they couldn't tell me all the details. So I'm like, yo, right. what's going on? They just asked, you know, did I have anything planned? I was like, well, I have two, two, two of my regular work situations, two tours I was trying to decide on which one I was going to do because um, with one of, the, with one of the, the scenarios, I played a higher role where I was a music director. Right. You know, so my, you know, the stakes were more higher and my, mm-hmm. my job was in more demand. But at the same time, I'm a loyal guy and I try to be loyal sure. you know, to, to those situations because they both you know, were, were paying my bills. So I was just like, man, what do I do? But in the end, it just all worked out where Jack White, he, he, he actually um, emailed me personally and told me this idea he had. He said, okay, well, those tracks I ended up recording were going to be used for my solo album, which is coming out. And I had this experiment and this, this idea of bringing two, two bands together, an all-guy right. and all-female band. He wanted me to be a part of the, the all-guy um, 
uh, male band, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, like, where, you, where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? <laughs> so He wanted me in the all-female band. <laughs> so I was really like, do oh. I really want to take this gig? Cause <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, to make a long story short, in the end, it worked out where I did the Jack White situation. And it was a really, really um, fun year um, and experience as well. Right. Did a lot of cool stuff. So yeah, that's 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 how that scenario came. Nice, that's a good story. And um, at you know the Blunder Bus tour, I think went on for like a little, like about a year. And then um, I guess Jack has been back in the studio where you know he was called the bands to come down, I guess, to record and work on stuff. You know, right, right. but anyway, it's the same scenario. Like um, now he's coming out with a new album, which. I played on um, the title track with that that was just released, titled Lazaretto. I think that's the pronunciation, Lazaretto. Would you can check that out? Yeah. So the, the crazy thing is, um, we just had a record store day, which is like an annual event where mm-hmm. all of the yeah, it's like an annual like event. And um, Jack, you know, called me to come play for record store day in Nashville. Awesome. We did like the fastest. Supposedly, it was like the world's fastest. Record recording ever? Oh, really? Yeah, where it was like <laughs> it was pressed the same day and released the same day. That's awesome. So you know that was a surreal experience. Um, so I recently went down there to record, you know, to do that, and he released the song Lazaretto. Nice. Have but you yet, gotten to work with RZA yet? Nah, that's 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 hopefully that that hope that would be uh, that's a dream. Hopefully that will come. <laughs> RZA, if you're listening. Call yeah, Daru. <laughs> Actually, don't. Never mind. Just call me. He, <laughs> uh, th- yeah, don't. Daru said he doesn't. He said you stood him up, and he don't, now he prefer not to work with you. So nah, you can. Nah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, nah, I'm nah. just kidding. <laughs> I, I would. I would love to. But yeah, it's it's been it's been a blessed year. It's been a cool year. Um, just to embellish, I had the opportunity to to work with one of my all time favorite rappers, um, by the name of Nas, mm-hmm. who was celebrating his 20th year anniversary. Um, of Illmatic, which as a you know, I grew up listening to that as as a kid. Man, me like, too. Woo, man. Me too. So I got the opportunity to to play with the with the with the um, National Symphony Orchestra. Oh, awesome! In Washington D.C. at the Kennedy Center, which is like legendary, wow. right there. Wow. So it's crazy how all those worlds collided. Like you have like the National City, um, the the National Orchestra, which is age wide. It's, it's like the range is just from like you know what I'm saying, right? Young to like, you know, you know, I won't say elder, but you know, the the, the age range is crazy. So mm-hmm. just such a cool experience. So I'm just grateful, you know, for how the year is going so far. So that's good, man. You deserve it. Thank you, man. I'm, I don't know what's gonna happen next, but yeah, it'll be something good. <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 how the situation came up with Jack with Jack White though. Cool. And you know, I, I was able to tour with Jack 2012 for the whole Blunderbuss, you know, um, album. It was a it was a very cool experience, fun, and it was definitely an experience. Nice. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I guess Jack now he's he's coming back out with his new album, which you know I I, I played on the the single that's out right now. So yeah. who are you primarily touring with now? Right now, this is my own band, the Rough Pack. Yeah. We have a couple of projects that we that we recorded and um that's being mixed, and we, we we're trying to you know figure out what what's the next move. We have a project. We recorded with China Moses. Oh, no. um, that's the artist that we, we we did the shows. That's on um, the daughter of DJ Bridgewater mm-hmm. 
have an EP with her, and we have another project, um, a tribute to the um, Theonis Monk. Nice. I'm really looking forward to that project. It's a, I think it's a real cool, cool one. So those two projects, um, that and and whoever calls me, like I get ran. I still get um, work for hire gigs for some of the people that I work with post right um, the Rough Pack. And then um, recently I did a a show with Jack White um, for Record Store Day in Nashville. So you know whoever whoever called, those are my main those are my main gigs though. Right between Rough Pack and um, Jack White. So yeah. and and people can hire you to play on their record too, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, if the business is right and the, and the, and, the, and the price is right, and and not necessarily that if I like what they're doing, because mm-hmm. it's just like you know we get work all the time, but it's like what do I want to associate myself with? Absolutely, it's, a, it's, right. a, it's about in, integrity. But you know, I did, I did. You know, um, New York is a very um, pricey place to live. Yeah, it and is. I, I had, I had points in my career where I took gigs, and I was just like, okay, this is not something I necessarily may do on a regular basis. It may be a pop, a pop gig, but you know, I may have done it, you know, just for the, just for the paper. <laughs> but, hey, man, what's you know the way? <laughs> this is the way I look at it. If you're if you're playing drums and getting paid for it, right? And say it's a gig that you don't really want to do. It's like, well, you could go do that or work at, at a job that you don't like, like a day job. So at least you're playing drums and True. getting paid for it. You know, that's yeah. the way I look at it. I'm like, okay, the, if the, somebody calls me to do a wedding, right? And I don't really want to do a wedding, but I'll do it because I'm like, oh, all right, that's my day. That I could, I'll call that a day job. Right, you know? right, right. And if right. it pays well, then it's like, all right, and then I can worry about doing all the other stuff. Late, you know, well, when I get when I get done, right? What I've doing, I've just been trying to find things where I I make a way where I can enjoy the situation. Like, how can I make this situation funky and I can enjoy right. it? So I just right. find my way. I try to find my comforts and, and make it make it a fun um, scenario, mm-hmm. which 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 is good. It, it, it's actually good to expand and not. I, I mean, at least for myself, that's one of the things that I wanted to do in my career. I didn't want to just be like one dimensional. I wanted to be. You know, versatile like like a Steve Gadd, like be able right. to you know be in any situation and make it funky and, and just mm-hmm. make it put my own spin on it, and, and that's that's the that's that's the challenge. That's the challenge as well, too. It is, it is challenge. develop, especially you know trying to develop your own sound and and really have that definitive voice. And so when you play, it's like, oh, that's Daru. I know that's him. You know, it's right. a hard thing, man. And you know, I think it. I think it takes years and years and years to really develop your own sound. You know, I think you got your own sound though. Thank you. Bro. Yeah, I, appreciate I, it. I mean, just a tidbit from all of the, the people that I've been in, in, influenced and inspired by. Of right. course, me working some things out on my own, but yeah, I mean, I feel like um, the newer generation, up and coming generation, needs to know about like the gadgets and you know the Stuart Copelands and. Not just all of the the crazy, you know, fast stuff, but I feel like they, like in this generation, maybe have not been exposed to just the groove, the groove stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I I feel like, you know, if I could be an advocate to, you know, let drummers like, hey, that's cool, but this is some 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 right. stuff that's gonna get you some work. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And 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 pay some bills. So you know, if I can be an advocate for that, big salute to Questlove. You know. He's like pine, you know, doing, you know, as an advocate. That's my Philly guy, man. Yeah, man. Like salute to guys like Quest, and you know, it's, it's people that I'm not. My my name is kind of. I mean, my my brain is drawing a blank, but there's other guys out there that's that's filling that void too. So I feel sure. like I want to 
maybe fill that void. But then again, don't don't get it twisted. Don't I? You know, I could play a fusion gig if I had to. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like don't don't thing. test me. <laughs> yeah, the crazy thing is, I do get my I do get my um my times in, in, on iTunes where I have like my Tickeria or my fusion records. And I'm like, yo, I want I, I want. That's why I like the rough pack situation because um I feel like in that scenario. I can still bring those elements back in and also play the, the groove and funk, but we still have that rock and that fusion element because mm-hmm. it's just jazz fused, you know, with the hip hop. So I feel like I, I'm able to do that stuff. So, yeah. It's funny yeah. because I was, I was watching uh, Steve Jordan's DVD yesterday and he's talking about playing simple beats and he's like, they may sound simple and easy to play, but that doesn't mean they're stupid. And, you know, yeah. and they're, and he's like, you try playing it. It's a little, it's harder than you think. And a lot of times you hear, you know, you hear him playing just like eights, you know, just like straight eights, kick, snare, you know, and that's it. But that, man, Steve could play, yeah, you know. Steve, <laughs> man, what, who, what's Earthwind, Earthwind and Fire's drummer? I forgot, dude, is, is it Sonny? Sonny Emron. Man, so yo, <laughs> oh, I was totally like blown away. Like, I remember going to a PASIC, not PASIC, was it PASIC? It was, yeah, it was PASIC. Like, are you, you familiar with PASIC? Yeah, I was just there in November. Yeah, the PASIC convention. So I went to PASIC convention, and then, you know, that's that's like the drummers and percussion um, convention they have annually and um, gear for drummers. So I went there, and, you know, they have a lot of clinics done by some of our, you know, um, idols. And so, um, so I think it's Sonny was giving a clinic and I was just like, yo, I couldn't believe it. Cause like this dude was going in like <laughs> chops and I'm like, dude, I didn't even know. Like, You're like, I had no idea. I know, you know, I had no idea and I was just blown away. And, and, and same, same with like this cast like Zorro, you know what I'm saying? I went to a Zorro clinic. I'm like, this dude is like killing chops, but you know, it just goes to shows like um, those guys. They study the art, and that's that's what I that's what I want to do. Um, Peter Erskine is, an, is another guy that I really I really like because yeah. um, on the on the um, earlier um, that what's the stuff that he was playing on the Weather Report stuff. Mm-hmm. Peter was on the Weather Report. Peter, stuff, right? yeah, Peter Erskine was, yeah, absolutely. Thought he, oh, 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 no, he was. On, he was, he was on the weather, and he was on some of that um, the Jocko Pastoria stuff, and that stuff. Was, mm-hmm. He was on both though, because so I guess I, I'm guessing he got hooked up with Jocko through Weather Report, obviously, and then yeah, cut the solo yeah, stuff. Yeah. Or I don't know, I don't know if it was no, because no, he was there for no, it was him. I'm yeah, saying he, stuff the so Jocko cool. stuff came after, came after Weather Report. Yeah, and then also like Bernard Purdy and. Um, mm-hmm. I had the pleasure of um, meeting and also doing a jam out with um, Clyde Stubblefield. Oh, like I'm so jealous. Super unreal. <laughs> so Yo. jealous. Um, shout out to my man, Marco. Marco, um, Brett from Diodaro. Marco, I'm pretty sure everybody knows Marco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody <laughs> knows who Marco is. Yeah, yeah. so, <laughs> yeah, Marco, he hooked it up. And, um, you know. I just he, saw him a couple weeks ago at the 55 bar. Really? Yeah, I went to see. I, he was there. Keith Carlock was there playing. Ah, okay, okay, okay. And uh, who's a monster, too. Yeah, Keith is dope. I checked out Keith. I was just like, it's crazy, man. Like, it's, He's it's got, like, so, and he's getting, and that's another guy. Like, he's playing, you know, he played the John Mayer gig, doing the Steely Dan gig, just got the Toto gig, 
And these are all like groove gigs for the most part, you know what I mean? But he can play. I yeah. saw him with I saw him with Wayne Krantz, and I was like, okay, you can you can play. <laughs> yeah, it's it's heavy, you know, but it's he can definitely play. Yeah, man. So yeah, so so um yeah, Marco, he was like, you know, because I was started working with Evans and Promark, mm-hmm. and he was like, yo, come down to the to the to the studio. I got somebody I want you to you to meet. So I'm like, all right, you never know with Marco. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I go down there and um he's building with um he's he's um dang, Clive Stubblefield. He's like, yo, and I was just like, oh my god, I'm just like blown away. So I had the opportunity to do a double double jam with him and also oh. hang out with him for one day in New York because he was doing this um I don't know if he still does it, but he does this like show. It's like a um, radio show taping where he mm-hmm. plays. It's like a game show. So really? I, I, yeah, it's like a game show, but they, they it's, it's taped in a in an auditorium uh-huh. where like people answer questions, but then they, he plays behind like 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 it's like a like a like a radio game show. Really? <laughs> yeah. But he's never knew that. that. Yeah, but um, I had the opportunity to hang out with him, and he's a really really nice human being like Clyde's a really good he's a good dude man that's one dude I would love to have on the show too he's I mean he's a hero of mine you know like all those guys Bernard Purdy and you know mm-hmm. and uh and uh you know just any any of the, that's why it was like James Gatson when, when we talked yeah. to him. it was just like and he's the same way he's just like just an amazing human being you know I was Gatson yeah I, I would yeah that, that's somebody I would like to meet too he's he seems like he's like, uh cool. he's great he actually, uh, he called me when I was in L.A. And he's like, I saw you're in L.A. And I'm like, hey, and he's like, you were supposed to call me when you came to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I just, I just got yelled at by James Gatson. <laughs> oh, man. You, you know, it's, it's, it's humbling, too, you know, meeting like, like those guys. And Clyde was such a, he's like, such a fan. And I'm like, man, it's, 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 it's very humbling to go do these, especially like when I was on, on tour with Jack, it was a lot of those drummer celebrities that did the shows, and they were just like, yo, like, they were just like, stoked. Right. And I'm That's amazing. Just like, man, it's, 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 it's encouraging just to know that, okay, maybe I am doing something right. You know right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, totally. Totally. You, you're definitely but, um, doing, you're definitely doing a lot right, man. Thank you, man. Now, I'm just, you know, just trying to stay in my lane and, and mm-hmm. hopefully, like I said, if I can fill a void of um, helping out the drummers, the up and coming drummers, like, you know, hey, check out this, this month's stuff, check out. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, um, I feel like the drummer, the drummer nowadays, we're, we're, we're definitely at the forefront. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. It's, de- it's totally different than it used to be. Yeah, man. So it's just like, okay, now we're at the forefront. Now we got to represent and we got to bring up the next generation, you know what I'm saying? So speaking of the next generation, what advice do you have for the next generation? And even guys that are out there now that are, you know, maybe a little bit older, but, you know, are, are semi-pro and want to and want to be pro or, you know, just want to step up their game a little bit. What advice do you have? Or what, what do you see a lot of people doing wrong? Hmm. I mean, I'm still learning myself. Right. We but, all are. <laughs> one of the things is just some of, some of us, um, I would say just be nice, you know, Learn how to just be a friend, and mm-hmm. it's not all about hey, can I, can I get this endorsement? Like, right. just, if you just know how to just be able to be a people person, have a good conversation, and be nice, 
that would that would that would help because that's pretty much how a lot of my relationships were built with the companies that I'm working with now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily like, hey, yo, I work with this person, check me out, give me some free sticks. Just, yeah, it was just <laughs> like just building a relationship. Sure, you know what I'm saying. Um, showing up on time, which sometimes sometimes you know we we all have a problem with that. You know, right. that's that's really important. Um, caring yourself, also. Learning the music. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like some some drummers, you know, may may be like, oh, this is easy. I'm gonna just go in there and play it how I wanna play it. Right, right, right. You know what I'm can't saying? Can't do but that. Can't you like if you wanna get hired again, like I wanna, you know, learn it, play the music and just do what is required. And then if you're asked to do more, then do then do more. Right, right, right. So we've talked a lot of a lot about um the successes that you've had and, and all the great things you've been doing. So give me one failure that you've had. Give me one thing that you've had. <laughs> give me something that you've had to overcome because I, everybody out there is like, Oh man, it was, yeah, it was all every, it was all easy for you, which I know it wasn't easy for you. So what's an, what's an obstacle that you had to overcome or a failure that you had that you had to bounce back from? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, my sign, I don't know if you're into signs. I'm a Leo. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like a fire sign. Um, so, which means that we have a lot of fire, right? And I think I show that on stage now. But I used to be um, really shy, which, which I still think I am. But when when I'm on stage, I, I turn into a whole different person. It's like game time, right? Um, sometimes just like being shy or being soft spoken and not let people know what you want. Mm-hmm. I think that may have been a scenario for me where I, I've had a situation where I could have. Um, I guess, how can I explain this? Because I didn't open up my mouth and say something. Right. I, um, I, I mean, I've, I've, had, I've had some failures in my, in my, in right. my career. Um, but basically you're saying that you were, you know, you were shy and never, and sometimes didn't want to do some things or, or, or didn't speak up and, and it kind yeah. of turned into a situation that you didn't want to be in or. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So, and also, um, you know, now I'm a business owner, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I having an LLC with Ruzik Records, just learning how to be, um, I haven't always been like a good businessman, like knowing like, um, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be paid, you know what I'm saying? And right. then after the show, having to chase people down or they telling you, oh, we didn't make this. We got to pay you that, so mm-hmm. that I, I feel like that was that was a failure of not me not getting the details up front. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And um, some people have managers, and some people don't have managers. But I would say drummers that don't. I think that was one of my failures that I had in in um, just the bit some of the business stuff that I had to endure, like right. not being paid what I was told that I was going to be paid. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that I can think of. And the business is just as important as the playing, man. You yeah. you you know that as well as anyone. Yeah, especially yeah. nowadays with the with the social networking, it's I mean, we have to be our own businessmen or it's Absolutely. Like you're it's, it's a lot of people getting work and you're like, man, how do they get that? They right. may not you may not feel like they, they may not be as good as you, which is it shouldn't be all about that, but they just have a business. Right. And that's what that's what I'm learning. That's what I have learned. I feel like that's why I may get a couple more jobs because mm-hmm. it's like it's, it's 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 a hard choice too because like you have to separate if it's a friend or somebody you know it's like you got to separate the friendship and business like yo like 
I understand, but I can't keep doing these fifty dollar, hundred dollar gigs. You know what I'm right, saying? Like right. I got, I got, I'm, I'm living in New York. I got like the, the, <laughs> right. the stakes is high. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't get a sandwich for less than ten dollars in Michigan or Detroit or wherever is not a hundred dollars in New York. You right. Know what I'm totally. Ten dollars. You know what I'm saying? Is like nah. So it's just right. one of those, one of those things. Like just learning how to be good businessmen and just learn and knowing your worth too. I think a lot of musicians and drummers we have to know our worth. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because if sure. we know our worth, we're gonna. A lot of people they're happy to get opportunities, which is fine, and it's cool when you're building, you know, you're building your resume or you're building your name. Mm-hmm. But you just get to a certain point where you just gotta know your worth and know, okay, I, 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 I'm, I'm worth more than that. Absolutely. Strongly recommend musicians too to to get involved in your local union. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a 802 member, mm-hmm. um, and it's really been helpful to some recording situations um, right. where if I didn't have the union involved, I would have totally got jerked. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. All the, you know, all the people I've interviewed, you're the first person that brought that up though. So that's good. That's really, really good advice. Join the, join, join the local musicians union. Yeah. Because it's just a lot of things that we don't know. We have rights. Mm-hmm. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, I mean, we don't, when we in our twenties and stuff, we don't think about pension. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But there is there is a pension for musicians. It's like, okay, of course I do want to play until I die, like most legends, but at the same time, I want to work smarter, not harder. I want right. to be able to work less and, and make more. You know what I'm saying? I so totally it's agree. Like, with the union, like when you when you you know, people are excited when they get these high profile gigs, but it's certain things that you miss out on. Mm-hmm. Like if you do TV stuff, you're supposed to get you know, paid a check for the union when it airs on TV. Right. You know, it's certain things that you're supposed to get, but if you don't know, right, then you, you never off, get it. You never get it. You sign off. Oh, okay, I'm signing off. I'm on here, but right. somebody's getting that money and not you. you Absolutely. <laughs> so and like, especially like if you end up, if you end up being on like, say you're on like a Saturday Night Live or something else yeah. that like that something happens and it's like this monumental thing and it gets played rerun after rerun after rerun after rerun. You get paid every time it goes on on rerun. Or you should be getting paid anyway. Exactly. So it's just like... Mailbox money. I definitely recommend any drummers when those conventions come up like NAM, PASIC, go attend them because Mm -hmm. there's so much knowledge that you can learn from the pioneers. And and That's where I I met you in, in front of the food trucks at NAM. Word, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? It's it's actually a good day because the older drummers they didn't have access to the internet. Like right. you can you can go on the internet and YouTube. How can I make more money as a drummer? Like you can Google right. anything. But back then, you didn't, you didn't have that. So the drummers they would just get beat up. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, oh man, there's there's so um, Daniel Glass did. Um, you know, was telling me about how he interviewed all of these drummers. And he wrote this book, the the commandments or the uh, um, uh, why am I drawing a blank here? I have the book too. Um, he interviewed like Bernard Purdy and Earl Palmer and all these other guys, and he he was saying about how all these guys like didn't get the money or they weren't listed, they didn't get the credits. They don't. A lot of these guys don't even know what what uh, what records they're on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. crazy, man. And they were just like, and then they started doing a thing where they tried to have, they tried to have a law to where the, the singer had to be 
in the in the room for them to be recording, mm. right? And so what they would do, they would just pay somebody to come in, and they would be like, "Yeah, that's the singer," so to get around it, so you never knew who you were, wow. who you were cutting a record for. That's crazy, you know. And that was one of the, the good things um, being around. Um, shoot, because um, my mind just drew a blank too. <laughs> Oh, the book's called The Roots of Rock Drumming. I knew that. I don't know why, but I just had to look it up. The Roots of Rock Drumming. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So, I mean, What's he the... he talks, I mean, he talks to everybody like Hal Blaine and like Dick Richards and Bernard, like I said Bernard Purdy. It's a Oh, yeah, Clyde, yeah, yeah, I'm not to cut you off. Clyde Stubblefield, when I had the opportunity to hang around him, he told me the he he told me the story about that, about yeah. the, the, the the you know, how the sampling. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, that's a whole other thing. And he's and was, the most sampled drummer of all time. Yeah, yeah, and he just like man, he they he didn't get near a penny. <laughs> but you know what was a cool thing and a good gesture? Um, I salute. Um, are you hip to Public Enemy? Come on, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Chuck D from Public Enemy, I think, or favorite Flavor Flav, they dedicated a whole album for Clyde Stubblefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they he's on he's on the cover. He told me about this. Like he's on the cover. And I guess that was like he, he, was like a gesture for whatever money they sold was going to go to Clyde Stubblefield. Well, yeah, because so they, I mean, they, well, they, use, I don't know if they paid for that royalty in the beginning, but they used uh, Funky Drummer in, uh, uh, what's the name of the tune? I can't, I can't remember the tune, but it's, I mean, I, and they used a couple, a couple yeah, different, yeah, a couple yeah. different ones. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was a cool gesture, but yeah, it, it was, it's, that's, that's such, that's crazy, man. It's funny, man, because I like I'm thirty, I'm thirty three, mm-hmm. and grew up in the burbs. But my brother listened to all this hip hop, and that's what I that's what I grew up listening to. I listened to like I was in sixth grade. I remember wearing a Public Enemy shirt into to school in sixth grade. But I had like I grew up on Public Enemy and EPMD and the DOC uh, and same same for me. Yeah, same for, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but I I mean it was a, I was a little young for it, but. Mm-hmm. But I know it all because my brother always listened to it. And so I was like, well, if he's listening to Strictly Business, then I should be listening to Strictly. Right, and so exactly. I would listen to it. You know, it's like that's what I grew up on. So like all this old school hip hop comes on and everybody's like, how do you know all this stuff? I'm like, dude, I know all of it. And I know all the like I can <laughs> sing every single old school hip hop song from like from like 89 to 2000. You know, what I mean? yeah, same, same, same. So, yeah, I think. It, it, I think it was good for us coming up at that time because at that time, hip hop, the sampling they were using were a lot of the, the drum breaks. Right. You know, which versus nowadays, a lot of the music is more electronic. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's, it is, it's, people are still sampling, but it's just not as prevalent as like the breaks. Right. The, the, the old school breaks where it's like a, a um, Clyde Stubblefield or whoever else they sample from. Right. James so Gatson think, and all yeah, those guys. Gatson yeah, Gatson and all those guys. So I think. We came up at a good time. Yeah, <laughs> we have I, <laughs> I agree, man. I agree. You know, it's just weird, though, because, you know, I don't everybody's like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, listening to whoever like, you know, Boston or Journey or something. And I'm like, I didn't really grow up listening to that, mm. you know, so it, it took me a while. Like when I was first coming up, it took me a while to like navigate into rock and roll and into jazz and all that stuff, because I lit- literally like I listen to hip hop. That's all I listened to until, uh, okay. I mean, until you know, I was like fifteen. 
mm-hmm. you know and then i started i found out about all these other and i was like oh my and then you know the rest <laughs> the rest was history and then you know i went down that path but like it took me so long to get into it because i didn't know anything else you know i was just wow, like wow wow so it's crazy because um you know each each style has certain rules i guess you could say that mm-hmm. but it's like i feel like um hip-hop and rock are similar as far right. as, as far as the aggression, yeah, 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 I would agree with that. Yeah, as far as the aggression, so I think it made sense. I guess it made sense why I think Jack liked my plan and he felt like it would work well mm-hmm. for that for that rock scenario, right? Um, and I also, I also, I also played in the and I, I recorded with a rock band in New York. I won't mention the name because that situation didn't <laughs> didn't didn't, um, <laughs> didn't work out. But I, that was my first experience. Um, you know. I listened to rock drumming, of course, coming up, you know what I'm saying? Like, but not 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 hardcore, not hardcore rock. You know what I'm saying? Like I knew about some of the the Chad Weckerman, you know, some of the stuff, but it wasn't until um, you know, when I got with Jack, I started like listening to all like like I knew I I, I knew about the um the Jimi Hendrix, of course, like that stuff is killing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I feel like that was jazzier rock. But well, the plan, the plan. Right, right, right. Yeah, it wasn't like 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 hardcore like you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. double bass double bass rock you know what I'm saying like right. like just like in jazz it's different styles of jazz you have your bebop you have your straight ahead and I feel like it's different styles but like um like hardcore rock I feel like it's had the same aggression like certain hip hop like right. like hardcore heavy beats and and that's pretty much the, what I wanted to implement when I played the hip hop so I think that's why Jack was like okay. This, maybe you know he he saw that I, I would work good in, in the scenario and it's and it's it's been cool. It's been cool. Nice. Cool the sure. funny the funny thing is like Steely Dan is probably is one of my favorite bands. Same. And and a couple years ago I realized why I think I like them so much because so many hip hop guys sampled, sampled. Steely <laughs> Dan. Like I remember the first time I heard Black Cow, I was like, isn't this a Tone Loke song? You oh know? yeah, black, yeah, 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 it's crazy. So, and then I was like, maybe I, that's why I like him so much. I don't know, but I, yeah. I mean, I love Steely Dan, you know. But it's just mm-hmm. funny that I'm like, maybe I just like him because they, all these hip hop guys sampled him. Exactly. So, and it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy how all that stuff ties in together. Like, so it's like it's 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 it's, it's cool. You know, mm-hmm. I'm glad to to the rock and roll, roll um the rock and roll world is a different world. <laughs> oh like, yeah. Play R and B and jazz and and other stuff, and even I play Caribbean music too. I, um. When I was when I was living in Pittsburgh, I worked with a guy by the name of Phil Solomon. He makes steel pan, mm-hmm. and he's from Guyana. So I played in that steel drum um, Caribbean band. Awesome. Yeah. So I, you know, but the rock and roll is. I think everybody wants to be in the rock and roll. World. Yeah, everybody wants to be a rock star. <laughs> so it's, just, it's it's such a different. It's such. It's like okay, this that's that, and this is this. Right, right, right. It's, it's yeah, it's different. <laughs> so. So where can, uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, if somebody wants you to play on the record, or if they want to learn more about you, how can they connect with you? Okay, um, you can check me out on my website, Ruzik Records. That's R-U-S-I-C-R-E-C-O-R-D-S dot com, RuzikRecords.com. Also, um, my social networks, Facebook, just my name, D-A-R-U Jones, Daru Jones. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I also have a YouTube channel, which is um, www.com, YouTube, backslash, D-A-R-U-F-O-R-R-U-S-I-C-2. 
<laughs> so that well, here's what here's what well, I'm gonna do for every <laughs> for every interview. There's always show notes. Everybody that listens to the podcast knows that they can go right to drummersresource.com and everything that we talk about, all the links, all the ways to connect with you, and all that stuff. That'll all be on there, so people don't have to to memorize. They can just click a link and they'll they'll get right to you, and uh, you know they can connect with you and and learn more about you. Yeah, check out my homie Nick. Drummers resource. They doing their thing. You know what I'm saying? Big shout out to Nick. Um, yeah. I gotta learn more about your catalog too. You gotta you gotta 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 fill me in. <laughs> yeah, but this is an interview about you, man. We'll talk off air. We'll we'll, we'll talk off air. We'll talk about uh we'll talk about what I do. <laughs> but Daru, thank you so much, man. I really I really do appreciate it. And uh, you know, hopefully we can we can get together again soon and chat drums, man. I would love to. Thanks for taking our time. I enjoyed the conversation. And um, yeah, just let's keep it moving. Like I said, nowadays the drummers, we 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 at a we in a good place right now. The drummers is forefront. You know what I'm saying? You see, like, like another guy, like I mentioned, Quest Love, like he's really, you know, another guy that's pioneering bringing drum, you know, besides like um Ringo Starr, like I'm a huge right, fan of Ringo right. too. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I'm I'm grateful like for this 21st generation, people are recognizing. Like we are more than just a timekeeper, right. you know what I'm saying? Like we can make or break your set, we can make yeah. or break your album. <laughs> yeah. We can, you know what I'm saying? Like I totally agree. If we don't like you and we playing your gig, we can, you know, we can, we can, we can mess you up. Yeah, <laughs> and so absolutely. It's like, and we we have to realize how important we are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and just don't be arrogant about it, but just you know, be confident. proud. Yeah, be confident. Just be confident. And make the best of whatever situation you win. I mean, even if it's not paying, you can all you can always, and this may be a tip too. What I what what I would do, um, if I'm in a situation where I may not be getting paid or it may not be ideal, I just try to maximize it where I will take photos or document it, right? And I will just use it. You know what I'm saying? Sure, to, sure, sure. Because you know, it's that's good resume. Mm-hmm. You can always you know step up like. You know, just go with whoever you can start off with, and you can just always move up. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? You can always move up. So you know, all that, all that stuff helps. All mm-hmm. the the resources and um, content, all that helps your resume. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Daru, thank you again, man. I I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, it was great, man. I would love to chat with you again. So. For sure. Thanks a lot, Nick. Um, cool, man. It's a pleasure talking talk, talking with you, and I look forward to. Um, all the listeners checking it out, and I appreciate all the love and feedback. And yeah, let's keep it moving. I like it. Thanks again, brother. Sure, no doubt. All right, man. All right, all right yep. All right, take care. So there he was, Mr. Daru Jones. And if you want to learn more about him, you can check him out at russickrecords.com. R U S I C R E C O R D S. Check us out, drummersresource.com, facebook.com forward slash drummersresource, on Instagram at drummersresource, and on Twitter at drummersr. Source, And if you would, sign up for the mailing list to stay up to date with everything going on with the Drummer's Resource and also stay up to date with what's going on with Elite Pro, which is going to be our super exclusive community for drummers to inspire one another and learn from each other and a ton of other useful information and and tutorials and email templates and Q&As with different professional drummers and all things like that. You can learn more about that at drummersresource.com forward slash Elite Pro. And until next week, keep on drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.